Welcome to Scientific Characters, the podcast where we explore the history and personalities behind some of the famous and forgotten scientific discoveries. I'm your host, Erin McDonald. A big thank you to our supporters who are helping keep this podcast ad-free. You too can support for only $3 a month at Patreon. Just search for Scientific Characters Podcast. If you're not able to support, no worries. Now it's just time to sit back or start exercising or hit the road or whatever you're doing and enjoy this episode. Today we're going to be learning about Ernest Everett Just, a meticulous experimental scientist who specialized in marine embryology. Just was well known for his scientific analysis and research into embryonic development, but suffered greatly at the hands of racism prevalent throughout the U.S. academic system. Ernest Everett Just was born in Charleston, South Carolina on August 14, 1883. His father, Charles Sr., struggled with alcoholism and died when Ernest was only four years old. His mother, Mary Matthews, was now the sole provider of Ernest and his younger brother and sister. She made a living initially by teaching in Charleston at a black school. She then decided to move to James Island off the coast of South Carolina. James Island was a Gullah community, and his mother started a small school for the families there. Mary was instrumental in building a community on James Island. She convinced a number of local residents to purchase land and invest further in the community. In fact, they named the locality Maryville after her and her contributions. When he was only 12, Ernest left James Island to attend what was then called the Colored Normal Industrial and Mechanics College at Orangeburg. It's now known as South Carolina State. He graduated at the age of 15 with a licentiate of instruction, which meant he was certified to teach at any black school in South Carolina at 15. However, following in his mother's footsteps as a teacher didn't appeal to Ernest. So at 17, he decided to leave home and pursue better education opportunities in the North. He received a scholarship to attend Kimball Union Academy, a college preparatory school in New Hampshire. Despite being the only Black student there, Ernest spoke to the friendly and welcoming environment for study. Unfortunately, during his time there, he made a trip back home to visit his family, only to discover his mother had passed away and was buried only an hour before his arrival. Returning to Kimball Union Academy, he pursued a classical course of study, and after three years, he was advised by tutors at the academy to apply to Dartmouth. At Dartmouth, he found the experience a grave contrast to his prior studies. He was socially alone and isolated from his peers. Focusing on his studies, but with little specificity in his interests, he pursued biology, literature, the classics, and history. He eventually dual majored in both biology and history and graduated in 1907 with honors in both. In fact, the only magna cum laude in his class. Upon graduation, he was offered a teaching position in English at Howard University in Washington, D.C. Needs of the university, and with his varied background, Ernest was asked to take over the biology department and teach physiology. Now, this was in addition to teaching his English classes. Interested in pursuing further education, Ernest, through a contact at Dartmouth, reached out to Dr. Frank Lilly at the University of Chicago about doing a postgraduate degree in biology. 
1909, he began working summers as a research assistant to Dr. Lilly at the Marine Biological Laboratory. He was the first Black person to do research at this institute. Shortly after this time, Howard started a zoology department with Ernest as the lead, which allowed him to give up teaching English. Invested in the university, in 1911, he helped found the first Black Greek-lettered fraternity at an HBCU, Omega Psi Phi. The next year, he was appointed professor. So, now it's 1912, Ernest Everett Jump is 29 years old, and a professor in zoology at Howard University. He just got married to Ethel Highwarden, and he continues spending his summers doing research with Dr. Frank Lilly at the Marine Biological Laboratory in Chicago. His research is focusing on marine invertebrate eggs, both in labs and in natural settings. He was particularly passionate about replicating a natural environment in the lab, and through this, studied how marine invertebrates reproduce in oceans and estuaries. This year, he also publishes his first paper, called The Relation of the First Cleavage Plane to the Entrance Point of the Sperm, in the Biological Bulletin. Essentially, he's researching how the egg's surface plays a role in successful fertilization. He was able to show that the surface of marine worm eggs cleave in different planes depending on the sperm's point of entry. He meets a colleague named Jacques Loeb at the time, and the two become fast friends. However, their research philosophies and differing hypotheses in this field will soon turn very sour. As the years go by, Ernest is still teaching in D.C. and spending summers in Chicago. Balancing the two delays his research progress, but his Ph.D. was eventually awarded in 1916 on the mechanics of invertebrate fertilization. In 1919, he began working on the sand dollar and studied the elevation of the egg membrane at sperm contact. He studied carefully how the sperm was pulled into the egg as opposed to boring its way through the membrane as was expected. He was able to document what was called a wave of instability that traveled over the surface of the egg from the entry point. He was observing what is now known as the fertilization envelope, which prevents further sperm penetration. In 1920, he was awarded a 10-year research fellowship through the National Research Council to stay at the Marine Biological Laboratory. He continued to teach at Howard, but felt held back in both institutions. He strove for a position at a university with a larger research budget, but was unable to teach anywhere but a black college. At the laboratory, he was limited in his abilities and frequently humiliated due to institutional racism. However, with this grant, he continued his research there during the summers and teaching at Howard, splitting his time between D.C. and Chicago. His work on documenting the timed processes of fertilization led credence to Dr. Frank Lilly's theories, but contradicted those of his friend Jacques Loeb. In the 1920s is when this conflict escalated. See, Loeb believed in this idea of superficial cytolysis. He thought that egg development was initiated when eggs were exposed to butyric acid. On this exposure, the eggs would release lysine, which was a cytolytic agent that broke down the egg cortex. Loeb was trying to demonstrate the idea of artificial parthenogenesis, or ways to initiate egg development without interaction with the sperm. Specifically on superficial cytolysis, Ernest Just was able to prove that this breaking down of the cortex 
was simply due to the overexposure of eggs to the butyric acid and nothing else. He criticized Loeb's broader artificial development theories and assigned the results to sloppy record-keeping and his inability to maintain appropriate experimental conditions. Remember that Just was professionally lauded for his ability to simulate natural marine environments in his lab, and this was a point of particular pride for him. So while their friendship was initially rooted in similar research interests and Loeb's stance on social equity, once this conflict arose, Loeb utilized his privilege as a white man in the field to take down Just's professional prospects. Being in the same field, Loeb was able to provide negative evaluations of Just to the Rockefeller Institute and the Carnegie Foundation, erasing funding and what potential employment prospects there were. Frustrated with his systemic racism, and eight years into his tenure research grant, Just began to look for opportunities elsewhere. He received a large grant from the Rosenwald Foundation and decided to work with European scientists instead of returning to Chicago. He began working at the Stazione Zoologica in Naples, Italy, taking extended trips from D.C. He focused on testing Lily's fertilization theories with sea urchins. In 1930, he was the first American ever invited to conduct research at the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute in Berlin. Now, this research ended in 1933 when the Nazis invaded, and just began working at the Station Bologique in Roscoff, France. This work focused on ectoplasms and other invertebrate marine species like the amoeba. He published articles showing that the ectoplasm is necessary for fertilization to occur. Now, after almost a decade of traveling back and forth with nine long extended trips, he decided to leave Howard permanently and move to Europe in 1938. The next year, he was able to publish two books, Basic Methods for Experiments on Eggs of Marine Animals, and The Biology of the Cell Surface. All this travel and relocation to Europe took a toll on his marriage. Ernest and Ethel divorced in 1939, and shortly afterwards he remarried a German biologist named Med Hedwig Schnetzler. He was unfortunately diagnosed with pancreatic cancer as well at this time. And in the same year, Germans invaded France, and he was held in a prisoner of war camp where his health deteriorated further. He was rescued by the State Department in 1940 and brought back to the United States. He returned to Howard, but his health was too poor, and he passed away in October 1941 at the age of 58. Ernest Everett Just's professional career was demonstrably affected by the systemic racism present in the American academic system. His perseverance and love for research, despite the system trying to prevent his success, meant he was able to make significant contributions to the study of fertilization. His meticulousness in the lab and ability to recreate natural marine environments showed the importance of pristine conditions and the potential contamination of laboratory experiments. Just's contributions lay in several areas, including the role of environmental factors in marine invertebrate development, the different methods utilized to prevent multiple sperm from fertilizing an egg, ways to artificially fertilize eggs, and the broader development of embryos. He was the first recipient ever of the NAACP Spingarn Medal, 
and was elected to several professional societies, including the American Association for the Advancement of Science, the AAAS, the American Society of Zoologists, and the American Ecological Society. As the first American invited to research at the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute, he bridged gaps between American and European researchers. He tried to balance his career and his research where he was able to, but this had a profound effect on his personal life. In 1983, Kenneth Manning published a book about Ernest Everett Just's life called The Black Apollo of Science. This book received the 1983 Pfizer Award and was a finalist for the 1984 Pulitzer Prize for Biography, and I highly recommend checking it out. So that's it for today's episode on Ernest Everett Just, a pioneer in experimental marine research. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform, and tell your friends. You can find us on Patreon if you're interested in supporting so we can keep this podcast ad-free. Support is only $3 a month and it comes with early access to episodes, transcripts, and notes, and the ability to suggest future topics. Just go to patreon.com and search for the Scientific Characters Podcast. If you're not able to financially support, no worries. I'm glad you're here and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time... This has been Aaron McDonald with Scientific Characters.